When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it, midweek editions here at Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, and uh, we are loaded up for a Wednesday, getting closer as uh, we'll be uh, en route and then arriving for tomorrow's show in Champaign, Friday road show at Hands at the I-Hotel, Friday, and then of course Saturday pregame with the weekend edition for Hale Varsity in Champaign, uh, Real Red Reaction, also from Hands as uh, Nebraska and Illinois. High noon. Got a favorite Western, right? A little little throwback for the West. I started rewatching The Outlaw Josie Wales. Oh, that's on Netflix now. It is. Yeah. And it's it's sweet and, until your German Shepherd like chews up the remote and your phone flips out. And long and short, my Outlaw Josie Wales was interrupted by Gertie the German. Plenty to get to today. Uh, Mike Babcock will be with us. Babbers, no champagne well. And historian, author, and Hall of Famer Mike Babcock of Hale Varsity coming up in about 15 minutes. We may or may not have a shoey sighting. I'm, I'm hoping oh, he's in the middle of a lesson. Hmm. I'm going to text him right now and tell Mike Shuhart I'm weeping. He scheduled a lesson during this time slot think, on, on game week? I think he's just that slammed. Uh, Wilderness Ridge, Mr. Mike Schumer. I've seen some pictures out of Wilderness this week of, uh, of the, the work they're doing out there. Oh, my. You can see that swim-up bar like come into fruition in front of your eyes. Yes, yes, you can. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, no shooey today. That's okay. We'll, uh, we'll try and, and, and forge forward. And then Gary Barnett, the coach, Colorado, and, of course, Northwestern, get his take on Nebraska Illinois as uh, two days, 20 hours, and 11 minutes till kickoff. Who's counting? 466 Those are the numbers. Find us, follow us, give us a follow on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio. Chris Schmidt at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal is where you find him. Can email Chris at HaleVarsity.com. So I've been thinking a lot about Saturday, about the magnitude, and that, that's been highlighted, that's been underlined, and, and we know what momentum can, can do. For, well, we think we know what momentum can do for this football program. Uh, and it's been fleeting. It's been hard to, to, to stay and, and hold on to. It's like catching a fish that slips out of your hands and finds its way back into the lake when you're not using dynamite to fish. Maybe Nebraska will bring their own dynamite Saturday. Uh, and I think the game plan 
will be absolutely to get downhill and be physical. What I what I quite haven't decided, Elijah, is is how Nebraska will skin the cat of running the football. Is it going to be once just line up and do our thing with some power football, with some ball control in an I formation or the the typical shotgun kind of zone read look or shotgun handoff attack or even pistol because Nebraska can can do that? Or is it going to be a situation where Nebraska wants to throw, feels like they need to throw? Because you saw that last year and you've seen that over the years here with Scott Frost. And I don't think it's it's a stubbornness. It's really a confidence thing. Really, where are you at with the confidence of the offensive line if you're the head coach from what you've seen through camp? And and you've seen the defense win some days. You've seen the offense win some days. And that's what you like to hear from other coaches, where it's been a good give and take. It's been a good back and forth. It's been a good uh, process of building up the offensive line, some days the defense will win, some days the, the offensive line will win. I know defensive guys hate that, but that, that really is what you want, the good back and forth that builds you up to go try and take it to your opponent. So I'm not quite sure yet how I think Nebraska will, will establish their run game. Is it going to be needing to, to loosen it up and throw some passes early on to uh, to loosen it up and, and, and get things going downhill? Or are you just going to come out and test them right away? And, and I do love the game plan, uh, potentially, of, of just trying to, to throw enough body punches to make it a fourth-quarter ball game. You know, what are you going to see from Illinois? Are you going to see more of an odd man front because they are thin on the defensive line? Is Illinois looking at doing some sort of a, a three-man front or some configured five-man front? Because they do have some some bodies and some talent off the edge. Uh, and what's their rotation going to be like? I think Nebraska's bread and butter on Saturday is going to be just what they can do defensively from a field position standpoint. I think if Nebraska's fortunate enough in special teams to make Illinois try and drive the whole bleeping field, I think Nebraska's front seven can be really nice. I think they can be really good on first down. I think they can make third down problematic for a guy that I guess has some talent but just hasn't been anything special at quarterback more than a manager. And if it's just you're trading punts, Nebraska, you hope, is is in better position this year to take advantage of that with their special teams. So the run game is going to be paramount. Uh, I think uh, the first team to 30 is going to win. That's that's my key number, right? Let's see how close all season long Nebraska with their offense gets to 30 a game. That's a difference maker in Big Ten football. And from a confidence standpoint, I, I hope they come in confident. I hope the the revenge factor can be real. And no one's really spoke about it. It's been touched on a little bit. But the fan base remembers, absolutely remembers, uh, what happened with Illinois last year. And d- does Nebraska make a commitment to going vertical? Vertical with what they want to do, throwing the football. Vertical with what they want to do, running the football. And a lot of times, and 
uh, in the Illinois game a year ago, you saw Nebraska trying to go sideways before they got north and south, either with what they did throwing the football, right, that, that infamous uh, swing pass, that dreaded damn swing pass to open the game that was ruled a fumble, but even just with the, the, the running attack, out of out of the shotgun, a lot of times you get guys going sideways versus north and south. I wonder if that's a difference you'll see not only in game one, but also in twenty twenty one. You said first to thirty. Though I want to backtrack to that for a second because this is a Brett Bielema team, and from what I saw from the Nebraska offense last year, I think it's a, more like a first to twenty four. I think if Nebraska gets to twenty four points before Illinois does, the defense. What, what their game plan's got to be against Illinois. Just is, go harass. It's harass and make sure they're not getting touchdowns. No cheap touchdowns. I mean, if they get into the red zone, bow up and hold them to three. This this Nebraska offense is built, or it should be built, on explosive plays. We didn't see that last year, um, but we even saw it two years ago and three years ago. That The Nebraska offense, uh, once or twice a game, is going to get one of those 40-yard touchdowns. 50-yard touchdowns, even 35-yard touchdowns. Like, uh, if Nebraska can do that once or twice in this game against Illinois and you're holding Illinois to field goals after they're driving the length of the field on you, it's all about bowing up in the red zone. It's a... It's modern college football. I get it. There's going to be uh, yards gained by the offense. There's going to be points scored. But the key is holding to three instead of seven. If the Nebraska defense can do that on Saturday, I, I feel really good about Nebraska getting a win. Well, the, the, and you've got two really good units going against one another. You've got Nebraska's defense and their depth in that front seven uh, against Illinois. Their pride and joy is going to be their offensive line. And they've got some really good running backs, quite honestly. Uh, with what what could happen, uh, Isaiah Williams also could be a difference maker as a, a slot uh, Rondale Moore type guy uh, for Illinois. But uh, they they are a squad with Chase Brown and Chase Hayden, Illinois and, and Lovey. Whatever you think of Lovey, I mean Lovey Lovey recruited some good backs. They've got a good center. They've got a good physical offensive line, and, and Bealum is. Really good at coaching that unit up. Conversely, what have you heard this week? You've heard about Damian Daniels' emergence. You know what what uh, Robinson's all about. Casey Rogers is big time. D-Train, DeAndre Thomas is there. Ben Stilley. I mean, I've just rattled off. You've got Darius Payne and Caleb Tanner that could pin, pin their ears back along with Garrett Nelson. And then don't forget about Jordan Riley. He's remade his body as well. So you've got a bunch of dudes that that can and will be in the mix on the interior for Nebraska. I think Illinois has the potential with their run game uh, to to pop some some big plays. Nebraska is going to be good against the run all season. I, I I believe that, but you can be really good and still not be perfect. How do you how do you counter to that? The other thing I'm wondering, and we'll get to some of the thoughts here on this. Uh, situation with it seems like every day or every other day somebody in the national media is ready to to predict Scott Frost's demise. We'll we'll get there in a little bit, but when we talk Saturday, and we'll get more in depth into this as as we get closer to kickoff. But what do you think you're going to see on Saturday? Is it going to be the same old, same old? Or will you actually see a different Nebraska? I know what you want to see. I know what you need to see. But what do you think is is going to be a reality for game one? Are you going to see the same team 
that gets in its own way, that has the propensity for penalties, that is not going to take care of the football, that is just inconsistent here with getting first downs and then turning red zone opportunities into points, and then you're still a mess on special teams. Do you think you see a cleaned-up version of Nebraska? Or is it is it the same old, same old? Do you know? As a Nebraska fan, again, you, you pray that it's it looks like football. You pray it looks like a squad that's really taken to heart the improvement uh, and the fundamentals and the mental part of the game. But do you see it in game one? Do you see a football team that is able to, to handle their business and, and cover kickoffs, put together punt and kickoff returns, kick the ball out of the end zone? That's just special teams. Make some open field tackles, not have busts defensively. And then on offense, you don't, you know, when do you see that first penalty flag? I mean, like a clip and a block in the back on a punt's one thing. You get to a couple of those a game, typically, or a hold, right? But if Nebraska gets the ball Saturday at high noon, is it, all right, they get four on first down, second down, they, they reel off a first down, okay, they're, they're at their own 40. Let's just walk down hypothetically. Is it like Northwestern where third or fourth play of the game, someone flinches, first and 15, drive derailed, time to kick. And then when you do kick it, there's an 18-yard return, and Illinois starting at the 50. That's a, that's a bad movie, right? Back to Josie Wales. That's the opening scene of Josie Wales uh, and, and his family getting lit up, <laughs> okay? If you're a Nebraska fan, you, you reach for the whiskey immediately. So I'm just wondering if, if you truly do see it's been emphasized, it's been practiced, it's been preached on, and it's absolutely been harped on. But do you see do you see a different team finally? Do you see a, a put together for what it's worth week one, week zero, more polished football team? You gotta. You can't have more than three or five penalties in this opener. That to me is a huge ask based on what you've seen the last couple of years. I think coach has done everything they can to emphasize it. Elijah, you played ball, you know that. But eventually it kind of comes down to confidence, readiness, and being locked in and not nervous to, 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 to clean up all these penalties. I, mean, the, the, I, I think Nebraska can do it, but it's going to be that three to five window of penalties. That's probably the biggest number about Saturday. I mean, the, the, the penalties I really don't want to see, you mentioned false starts, uh, illegal formations. I don't want to see illegal formations. Uh, like I, I can accept a, a holding penalty whenever it's a guy coming around the edge. An he's he's going to kill. Yeah, yeah, he, he's going to kill Adrian. Like, okay, uh, hold him and, and see if you get away with it. Just because you got to protect the healthier quarterback. But like, I'm tired of seeing illegal formations, false starts, uh, targeting. I am so <laughs> sick and tired of seeing targeting calls in the secondary. And it's it's okay. You want to go lay a lick, but be smart about it. Don't get yourself thrown out of the game. Like it, it just it, it's it's, it's garbage. You 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 have no shot as a safety anymore. Yeah. Or anybody in the secondary coming over the middle. You don't have to go Kenny Bell on the guy, which is sweet. But you you, you can't even hit the guy because he's defenseless. I mean, it, but it's, it's a mental thing. You know. You know you can't go high on a guy coming across the middle because you're going to get tossed out of that game nine out of ten times. 
Like it, that's one of the things that to me is a mental thing that I just am so sick and tired of seeing because it hurts the team as a whole. Whenever one of the the stalwarts of your defense, it, who has it been? It's been Dismuke and Deontay Williams out there, who are some of the most Taylor Britt too. Yeah, who are some of the most experienced guys in the defense. You're going to be relying on them in the secondary. If any one of those guys gets tossed for targeting, I'm going to be mad because we saw it way too much last season, and you got to get that cleaned up. Well, they uh, they they have written that down, duly noted to. To stay in the game, they're vital. Now Nebraska's got some some young pups behind, but you don't want to you don't want to have to to find out. Now Farmer was was killer. He was great. He was absolutely great, and uh, he's had a good camp. We'll dive in. We'll get some thoughts on Nebraska Illinois from a man who's uh, lived in both places. His thoughts on the upcoming kickoff to open up twenty twenty one. Mike Babcock of Hale Varsity's next. We're uh, here with Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Thanks for spending time. Hale Varsity Radio, Wednesday edition, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Historian, author, Hall of Famer. He is Mr. Nebraska Football. Also spent time in Illinois, making sure you did not harass the musical talent. Mike Babcock with us at MD Babs on Twitter. Babbers uh, should be a good one on Saturday. How you doing? Yeah, I'm doing okay. I'm doing all right. It's always uh, exciting when the when the college football season begins, and Nebraska's got the showcase starting game. I guess it is. And uh, we were talking about what what Saturday needs to look like, or what are you expecting? Saturday to look like just from a Nebraska perspective and Mike uh, when we look at Nebraska here in, in the game plan and how they go about chopping wood at, at high noon you know do you have a feel at all with Nebraska what what they'll need to do uh, offensive line and running game wise is it pass to open up the run or or run to open up the pass do you have a, a, a take on that? You know, my take is the same as it always is, I guess. You know, establish the run to open up the pass. You know, that's what, you, that's what you're going to have to do, um, I think. And uh, I think Nebraska has the pieces of that puzzle um, to establish the run. You know, the question is, um, and there is a lot of talent at wide receiver, but uh, you got to define, you got to get those roles defined, and let's see how that goes. Those roles are are big for Nebraska, and a lot of depth, a lot of talent, and and plenty of options here with uh, with play action. What's uh, what's Adrian's need for Saturday? What what's his day look like in a Nebraska win? Just decision making and and cut down on the turnovers. You know, I think there's no question uh, he has a talent, and you know, you could see at the news conference, um, he's a very mature guy. Um, He's got the qualities that you want in a quarterback and a, and a captain, three-time uh, co-captain, and and uh, I think he just needs to play his game and not make mistakes, and uh, I think he'll be fine. I think he's he's a, he's a difference maker um, if he has the pieces around him, and I think that uh, to some degree he does. Mike Babcock's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio, and. Mike, just when you look at that offense, I mean, we talked in the first segment about cutting down on penalties. Um, I mean, 
cutting down turnovers has also been a, a huge topic this week. And you, you know bad things are going to happen in this game. And that's one of the things I'm watching for is, is how Nebraska responds to these mistakes. Uh, do they let them uh, take them down or do they respond and come back with a fire? But I think Nebraska has a defense that can uh, pick up the offense whenever there there is bad things that happen. Would, would you agree with that assessment? Yeah, no, I, th- I think that's that's true. I mean, I think that the defense is going to, going to have to step up and and you know it's it's probably the same for Illinois really um because Illinois has a lot of questions at wide receiver it seems um but uh yeah your your observation about mistakes i mean that was a good example last year the loss uh, to Illinois uh, Nebraska had what five turnovers mm-hmm. three interceptions and two fumbles lost and i think Illinois scored 24 of its points off turnovers um and Nebraska was penalized about twice as much as Illinois in the game. So just cut down on things. Control the things that you can control. And uh, I think Nebraska will be okay. Mike, uh, what's the atmosphere like on Saturday? What is a – I don't know. You've, you've been there. You've seen uh, what Illinois is about. And what, what can that community bring to the party for uh, college football's biggest showcase Saturday? Well, you know, Bielema's really trying to get the fans going, you know, and I, it's been so long since I was there that it's, it's really hard to compare. I mean, I, somebody uh, from that time told me that, uh, you know, the biggest thing in Illinois was fans would stick around till halftime to see the band perform and then they'd go. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think, the, I think there'll be energy there. I, I think that uh, Illinois, with a new coach, you know, uh, excitement there, a new offensive coordinator, Excitement there. I think that uh, I think they'll have an opportunity. Plus, you know, coming off of the uh, pandemic, although that's, the spiking is concerning. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's. I think that that's a contributing factor is that the fans will be out there and and uh, want to see what's going on. It was a little bit like you know the the year that I had season tickets, seventy one. Bob Blackman. I, you know, there was pretty good interest when Blackman got there. Um, by the end of that first season, it was kind of questionable, but um, it, it, it's always big. And, you know, Bielema's got a name. He's had success in the Big Ten. So I think Illinois fans will show up, and Nebraska fans will go over there. There's no question about that. You know, four or five members of Bielema's staff have, have been coordinators or they've been pretty high level uh, in, in, in Power Five. How do you see the coaching staff match up here? Nebraska staff's been together. There's been continuity, but there also needs to be some strides taken with some position groups for Nebraska and, and of course, some, some management. And Bielema has not ever won any awards for game management, at least at Wisconsin. You talk to their fan base. How do you see the two headsets shaking out? Well, I, think it, I, I do think it's an advantage um, to have an established staff and that you've worked with the – with their players, the program, which which I think gives a benefit to, to Scott Frost and his staff, um, because there's always an adjustment with a new staff coming in. You know, players making a decision to leave, and you know you're you're bringing in your own guys and so forth. So I think there's going to be an adjustment on the part of Illinois, and that's why I give Nebraska a little bit of an edge, um, just because of the new staff adjusting to it. The, you know, the talent on the staff is one thing, but the adjustment is, is the key, is the key I think, uh, in this case. Mike, just 
how many points do you think Nebraska's got to put up? I mean, the, the big question mark isn't the defense, it's the offense. Uh, I, I think Nebraska fans have a pretty good idea that um, if Nebraska's offense isn't turning the ball over, that the defense can you know, uh, hold uh, Illinois to a, to a point total that's winnable in this game. So how many points does the offense have to put up to get a win? Well, you know, I, we had a mailbag on the Hale Varsity website. I, I picked 35-31. I, I think Nebraska's got to get up in the high 20s or low 30s. Uh, to win the game. Uh, I just think, again, first game, uh, adjusting, um, you, your defense is going to have to cover up some mistakes probably. And, and uh, I think if you if you get to 30, if you get in the 30s, I think you're in pretty good shape. Who are we going to be talking about when it comes to Nebraska's rushing attack? What running back do you think thrives Saturday? <laughs> I have... You can say well, Rathman or Craig or DuBose. doesn't matter to me. <laughs> Jarvis Redwine. Jarvis uh, is going to go off on Saturday. Jar- yeah, Marvelous Jarvis. Um, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know if he's completely healthy yet, but, I, I, you know, I've said this before. I'd, I'd really like to see Step out there. Seven Morrison has gotten a lot of support. Um, and, uh, you know, Gabe Irvin uh, Jr., uh, Marvin Scott the third. He doesn't get a whole. People don't mention him a whole lot. But I'll be interested to see who the first guy is out there. I mean, I, I think if he's healthy, I think it'll be Step. But um, that seems to be a minority opinion on the staff. And I know it was because of injuries last season that we saw a lot of Marvin Scott the third. But what do you think it means for this running back room that a guy who, I mean, for a couple games was getting the the majority of the carries, uh, isn't really in the conversation as being a guy who could be a starter on Saturday? Well. You know, he's the fourth guy, I think. But, uh, well, I don't even know if he is. But uh, I just think it speaks to the competition, you know, uh, and that Morrison has really stepped up. You know, that's the thing that his name is one that really surprised me. We know Step's situation, transferring in, and Irvin, you know, had a had a, uh, a really impressive spring. So it's just the competitiveness. That's the thing. Uh, that you have to look at. It's, I don't think it's a reflection necessarily on uh, Scott. I think it's just a reflection of the competitive, competitiveness in the room and the guys that are you know doing the right things most consistently. Babbers, yeah, a thought on you know the the, the, the dish best served cold, and it ain't going to be cold Saturday. But the the revenge angle is that something that I mean Nebraska's got plenty of motivation anyway. But how much of last year's either brought up or remembered? Do you think that's a talking point by some of the captains or or the staff this week? Um, personally, I would hope it's not. Sure. I mean, I think your focus needs to be on the game at hand. You, the past is the past. You know, don't be looking at if that's what you have to have to get yourself motivated to play this game. Then I think you're you're going to have some problems in the game. You've got to you've got to focus at the the season at hand, the game at hand, this is the opener, this is your focus. The past is past. What happened last year? Don't be thinking about that. Don't be thinking about, you know, i got to avoid making mistakes. and it, None of that stuff. Just set it aside. That's my opinion. What do you think? the past. What do you think of Scott from Monday, and I haven't talked to you since? Do you see him as locked in or is something bothering him? Uh, you know, that's a good question, Smitty. I, I don't have a good answer to that. I thought he was... That had to be a record for the shortest uh, one of those news conferences for him. Is about a, what a little over ten minutes. Yeah, usually. Yeah, 
and he he really didn't have much to say. I mean, he was very, uh, I thought, not evasive, but well, yeah, evasive. I guess mm-hmm. he didn't really want to answer the questions. I, you know, and and just thanks. You know, that's it. I'm I'm out of here. Do you do you, do you feel, or does it look like? The pressure is wearing on him, and we we know the buildup for this man. I mean the the storm, the momentum, and I'm not worried about his job security this year. I really am not. We'll get to that next hour. But th- th- nationally, everyone seems to to continue to light that torch. Yeah, yeah, th- that's true. But but that comes with the territory. That's the job here. You can't that can't be part of it. If it is, then you got a problem. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you've got to that. That's just something that you assume is going to be the case and you move forward and it's the same way for Scott you know it, the fact that he played here um, all these things doesn't matter you're going to get the criticism you're going to get the the pressure put on you it comes with the territory he probably knew that when he got here he knew that when he was a quarterback here I mean he you know he got booed the one game Central Florida he got booed at halftime because the fans wanted uh, Frankie London um, who had played pretty well in, in a predetermined role, um, but uh, no, he's been through it. He kn- he knows the pressure, so I don't think that should be a factor at all. Mike, before we get you out of here, about fifteen twenty seconds. Any cuisine options going uh, on Saturday? We talked about revenge, best served cold. You got any other cold entrees going for the game on Saturday, or anything special planned? No, no, I don't really have anything special planned uh, for that. It's just. Uh, you know, it's not something I don't look at food when I look at the games. That's not a big priority for me. I'm more interested in the game. Babbers, I'll take care of that then. I'll eat for you. It'll be <laughs> uh, good. That, I would appreciate Babbers, that. All Thanks. business, though. Yeah. I, I, I respect that. Yeah, Mike Babcock, historian, author, Hall of Famer. Another season of Husker coverage from Mike at MD Babs on Twitter. Babbers, uh, we'll check in again. Thanks so much, bud. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. All right. Mike Babcock, thoughts on Nebraska, Illinois. What's Omar Manning's role going to be Saturday? Chime in 402-466-ESPN or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Back into it, Hail Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. And let's talk about some roles. Not mine. But offense, we got into, you know, what's likely on Saturday for Nebraska, Illinois, 466-37-76-800-825-5865. Mike Shuhart, Shuey from Wilderness Ridge, going to be back with us next Wednesday. But uh, some, uh, some thoughts on Omar Manning, right? He is the name. He's the talent. He's the the wideout you've been wanting to see on Saturday in action. Let me ask you this. How vital to Nebraska's success is Omar Manning and his production or lack of production? Whatever happens Saturday, what's is that going to determine a win? Well, yeah, it could, especially if you get red zone. You got a guy that's... 6-4 and can, and can go more purify in the end zone like Omar can. You get someone super physically gifted, especially if you got no answer for him. And you want to talk about what Coach Cash was talking about yesterday, getting in rhythm. You can make some real easy short throws to a guy like Omar. He can bust a tackle and 
and make a monster play out of a seven-yard hitch. The other side of that is Nebraska's going to win the football game Saturday because of what the offensive line does and what they do physically to wear down Illinois through the run game. But you want your big plays. So I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth here, but let's just say that Nebraska has, Elijah, this fair to say, is, is physically skilled and gifted, and Omar may go for... 100 and a half Saturday. He may see three plays. We don't know, right? We're not the coaches. But you have other options, other other skilled guys to lean on in the receiving game on, on Saturday. It's not just a one-man show. It's not just a Spielman. It's not just a Stanley. Uh, well, Stanley and, and J.D. together were money, but... You've got an Austin Allen, right? I mean, you've got options for, for Lubeck and for Frost to, to, to chuck the football around. It'd be cool if it's Omar, but I think this year, Elijah, I don't feel like it's got to be Omar. Yeah, and where we're getting this is uh, the morning hookup this morning. They had on uh, Bennett Whitman, who's pretty well connected within the athletic department. That's what he reported. We can listen to that segment if, if you'd like. We have it pulled up, but I'm, I'm with you. It's not like this is a, a situation where – Oh, Nebraska's screwed if they don't have Omar Main. There's a lot of good options at wide receiver. And as we've been saying, like, I mean, as Mike was saying, as we've been saying, you set up the pass with the run. Uh, I don't think you need to have the, the, you know, the most physically talented guy to go beat Illinois. I mean, maybe if you're playing Oklahoma or Ohio State, it'll really help to have a guy like Omar Manning in there and playing. But let's be honest, this is Illinois. The, the other guys you have in there at receiver, you have an FCS All-American. You have a guy in Xavier Betts who was a four-star recruit. Yeah. You have Oliver Martin who's been all over the Big Ten. I mean, Tour- there's other Touré options. was not omitted, okay, out of forgetfulness. He's, he's, the, he's your dude in the slot, and he's your dude in the slot that's going to move the chains for you on Saturday and the rest of the year, but you're right on. Uh, let's, let's hear a snippet here of, of what uh, Bennett Whitman had to say, because you know we are wondering about Omar. I mean, Omar's a guy that people have been clamoring for forever. Uh, heard it here first. Omar Manning is not playing this weekend. Whoa. Whoa! Are, are you going to say any more or just like, leave that's us it. on that? Uh, credible sources. He's not playing this weekend. Uh, maybe Robin will know uh, some more details after, but don't expect him to see him on the field this week. Uh, wow. So give me a little more background on Bennett. Um, Well-connected in the university. Um, Is he a journalist? Um, of sorts. He, he, I mean, he, he makes his money as a golf handicapper, and uh, he also has some... Uh, I can't expose his sources. I know who his, some no, of the sources no, that's, are. I'm not, I'm, not asking, um, I'm not asking for you to tell me, you know, who sent him a text or an email. I'm just saying, all right. And I know Hooksy and, and Will, you have a, a plethora of dudes uh, in the know on, along with them being pretty well connected and locked in. So, all right. So I, I can't so expose him too much, but I do know he has made a good amount of money betting on Nebraska from his inside sources who have told him who's going to be playing, who's not going to be okay. playing. It's, so it's, is... So how's he betting this weekend? <laughs> um, well, I talked to him. He said he's staying away from the line. He's but running the He has told me he is six and a half. He has put a good amount on a Nebraska under the season win total. So, um, but this also comes from a guy who uh, over the past three years. I mean, if you've bet against Nebraska over the past three years, you've made a lot of money because Nebraska has been awful against the spread over the past three years. Uh, so, um, 
I tend to tend to trust Bennett whenever mm-hmm. he says something like this, saying um, Omar's not going to be playing Saturday. And there's been message board stuff as well come out sure, today. Sure. Um, obviously, you hope to see him on the field. Hopefully, it's not a this guy isn't even making the travel roster. I hope he's going to be out there, maybe in limited snaps. Um, but whenever Bennett comes on and says something like he's not going to be playing Saturday, uh, I, I'm more inclined to believe him than not believe him. You know, I, and I was. It wasn't that long ago, last weekend, where there was the uh, the Omar Manny. His Twitter had him having a conversation with his mother, signing to his mother. And I thought that was a really cool, sweet moment where he was talking to her and gave her a hug. And there's been some positive moments and commentary from him on social media. And he's been one of those guys that, that Nebraska fans and us in the media as well, just you can't wait to see blow up, go off, do his thing. He's got he's all so, the physical talent in the world. He's so good. But it, there, there's also a point where there is a standard, there is a responsibility. And at this point, for for guys to, to not – I don't think anybody physically would beat him out as the number one wide receiver. Nope. Okay. Nope. So what what is it then? Is it is it nagging injuries? Is it practice time? Is it knowing your playbook? Is it blocking? I mean, there's a hundred different things that that it could be that would keep him from from starting, right? Or or seeing the field. But it's it's in his control. And if you're if you're Nebraska, you got to move forward with your game plan. And who are you going to count on? Who are you going to count on to be there? Who's going to be able to do everything you ask? You know, Nebraska in year four needs to move forward and and just go with guys that are, and I'm not saying Omar is or isn't. I'm just saying Nebraska needs to be able to rely on guys that know their assignment, will do their job, and can help the other 10 out there. And that's it. You don't need, and again, this is not pointed at Omar. This is just saying you look at how things went when you you tried to, and I'm going to say placate Mill Washington, Right. Mo, incredible talent, could catch it and go 75 yards, touchdown. Well, uh, Mo, Mo was a problem. Mo was a pain in the neck. Mo didn't bring chemistry or consistency to the football team. You put up with it because of the result. Well, when those results stopped happening, was it worth, was it worth putting up with that type of personality? So you can't, you can't bank on... Uh, a game plan that involves an Omar Manning if he's not ready. And you sure as hell can put a game plan together if Omar's locked in, knows all of his assignments, knows his responsibilities, and says, this is where we can go to work. Uh, you've got a Martin. You've got a Betts. You've got a Toure. You've got an Allen. You've got an Alante. You've, there's a lot of dudes that are in position to help this passing offense. There's got to be trust. And first and foremost, it's got to be earned. So we'll see if, if number five's out there. Hope he is. Hope the kid uh, gets to see some playing time and is a difference maker because I think uber talent, but I think he's a good kid. We'll wind down hour one. Gary Barnett's on the way. It's Hail Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now. And now back to Hail Varsity Radio. Ten minutes away. Gary Barnett will get coach's take on Nebraska, Illinois. And again, on the road to Champaign tomorrow, we're loaded up as uh, we are excited, man. So excited to be uh, doing Nebraska road shows this year. Uh, Big thanks to uh, so many folks. Uh, Well, (laughs) Elijah, (laughs) you are locked in studio for forever. It's that shot caller. 
You're just going to put, yeah, <laughs> shot caller. You're just going to put a, uh, you're just going to put a, a 10 up and, and there you go. But uh, super excited about uh, being able to get on the road and uh, do some things here uh, with uh, Hale Varsity on the road. And it is impressive. Um, Arrow uh, Capital and, and of course, uh, Ferris Financial helping make that happen. Love you guys. And boom, Nebraska, Illinois, uh, set to go. Numbers to get in, 466-3776, 466-3776-800-825-5865. Those are the numbers. We'll get to some emails here on uh, Nebraska's plan of attack. Houlihan's where we're at uh, inside the I Hotel Friday and Saturday. We're putting StreamYard together, too, so not only will we be able to interact with you on some of our socials for uh, for halftime and, and postgame, but also part of Real Red Reaction. You can email chris at hailvarsity.com. Also find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio, Chris Schmidt at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. So quick reminder about buckling up. That's the first thing I'm doing once we hit the road tomorrow morning is uh, clicking the old seatbelt. And, you know, folks, uh, seatbelt safety is just paramount. And when you look at seatbelt safety, 70% of people in fatal crashes in Nebraska don't wear a seatbelt. If used properly, a seatbelt can and will reduce risk of fatal injury by 60%. Your best defense in any crash buckling up Brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. So we'll, we'll check in with Gary Barnett on the way. We're going to have to figure out not only the over-under, the point spread, the, the situation, but we're, what are we at now? Steaks and a beer. Are we up to six that I'm owed? Are we up to, you know, the old 96er? You're looking at me like you're, you're angry. And I bring that up because it is football season, so we have plenty of, of college and NFL to do. Uh, yeah, don't remind me. Uh, I'm trying to think what happened at the end of the NBA Finals. Is it at six? I won. I, I, oh, I know you won. <laughs> you don't have to remind me about that one. I know that. I'm just remembering, trying to remember how many stakes I lost to you during that NBA Finals. I think that, it's like a seven finals. spot. Well, they, they played. I could, I could go. I could, sk- I could skip Friday, and we could go the rest of the season till the Minnesota game by week and I could lose all of those and still be even with you with with picks well when you put it like that it really just makes it hurt um <laughs> that was the intent but the thing is, is if, if we're going we, we already have a stake in a beer on who's the running back taking the first snap I've, I've won that okay <laughs> okay so don't, let's not get too confident here okay uh but <laughs> we, we could go point spread and we could go over under for this game and that's that's three whole steaks and beers for the game that are up for grabs and i i think we have to keep it an odd number so we know that somebody wins if we have four lines that we're, we're doing then we can go two and two and nobody totally wins. totally agree with you totally agree with you well we'll dive into sorting out in a tight running back race who gets the nod what you ask adrian to do dealing with pressure and oh yeah that stage. Gary Barnett, Hall of Fame coach, Colorado Northwestern, knows the Big Ten. Barney's next. The Tale Varsity Hour 2 coming up. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. 
Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. It's Hour 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Gearing up for the roadie to Illinois, Nebraska, and the Illini to open up college football. We welcome in the Hall of Fame coach. Another season. Bless his heart. Spending time talking college ball with his Hall of Famer with Colorado and Northwestern. Gary Barnett with his coach. Uh, how many putts did you drop today? Uh, you know, I had a pretty good day putting, and with some other issues I had today, they got me, but uh, it was still fun. In fact, I left the guys in there with my money to figure out how much I owed, so oh, wow. so I could come out and do this. So you snuck out. You just didn't You didn't leave like an open tab with that crew, did you? No, 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 no. <laughs> no way I'm doing that. No. <laughs> Coach said to get four for everything, uh, right? Uh, no, good, good. Well, you know, I'm glad you putted okay, but, you know, things will get worked out. You playing again tomorrow? Uh, yeah, probably so, Chris. If it ends in a Y, I'm playing. That's so. a great answer, man. That's a <laughs> That's great a answer. Thursday, yes, I'm playing. So uh, let's dive into Saturday. I, I want your perspective. I want your thoughts on you know, Nebraska and Illinois, the opportunity. And and I know we've talked a lot about it, but from a pressure standpoint, Coach, is there a game or two you remember feeling pressure to, to go win or play well at as in your experience, your time as a head coach? Is there anything that, that's burned into your memory? Well, yeah, yeah actually, Chris, <laughs> Nebraska 2005, Really? I felt a lot of pressure at that time, yeah. And, and we didn't win. They beat us. Uh, and, you know, it was interesting because we went about it the same way we did every Nebraska game. So we, as you know, we always had, you know, four or five days off extra during that week. And so I used the exact same format that we'd used in every single game. And my kids came to me and said, Coach, you know, we're really doing a lot for this game. And I said, we're doing the same things we've done every year. But it was in, I knew right then it was in, our, in their heads. They were tired. Uh, they were exhausted. And so I did feel a lot of pressure going into that game. And, of course, we lost. So um, in reality, a coach feels pressure in every single game. He's never you're, – you're never in a position where you can just cut it loose and let it go and relax. You feel it every single game. How did you you manage that? And what did um, what what did your kids? I know that I know that you had a really good line of communication with them because they came to you. You had your, your leaders, your captains come to you right. and say, "Hey, this is what we're feeling." How do you how do you take that pressure off? You get the kids to. I mean, they they can go one of two ways. They can either step up for you or they can feel it for you and they don't want to screw up uh, for you? Well, I, 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 you know, in retrospect, I would have listened to them a little bit more. I think, I mean, I, I, I just didn't think we were doing anything different than we had. But what I failed to recognize is at, during that year, 2005, those guys were fighting their fannies off for me. And 
you know, we'd reached a point uh, where we'd beaten A&M and, um, you know, the, the athletic director came to us and said, okay, you know, Coach Barnett's contract's going to be renewed, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, it, it, it took some pressure off, but then we ended up losing Iowa State on the road in a really screwy game, and then all of a sudden, um, you know, Nebraska became a bigger game uh, than what we were prepared for because they were not very good in 2005, and we were okay, and we were a team that should have won, but they, my guys were exhausted, and I just didn't listen to them enough. Coach, so let's kind of transport to, to here and now. It's just it's week zero. You started the week early, but there's been a, a lot swirling nationally. The writers have been sounding off. It seems like a, a new writer every day is going hot seat and frost. And I don't, I don't. I mean, I think it's important to go play well and and get to a bowl game for Nebraska. But I don't, I don't think there's any danger in in, in Scott. And, and not being here a year from now, I just I just don't with with all sorts of reasons, specifically the buyout. But I think he has a chance to build some momentum this year. So I don't know that the national guys are as locked in as some of the local people with just the the outlook on on his future. But how, how um, I don't know even how to ask this, but just like living under that, does that just 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 zap you? Well, it. it only if you let it. Okay. You know, you've been if you've been in it long enough, and I think Scott has. Uh, and, and secondly, the kids don't read those things. Most of those kids don't touch that. So they're they're looking at completely different things than you're looking at, and that Scott's looking at. I mean, they're not touching that kind of stuff. Do you think they're going to the athlete athletic, and are going to ESPN and checking out those things? They're not doing that. So. You know, I think you have less to worry about with your your players, and it's more of a personal thing. And I think you preach to them how you got to be level, the same all the time, up, no ups and no downs. So you pre- you have to present yourself that way, and you have to handle that situation that way. You know, it's it's as tough as it is. It's just a great opportunity to be an example of what leadership looks like and what staying the course and being steady looks like. So in some ways it plays into your hands because, you know, the kids, while they may hear from their parents that Coach Frost is under a lot of pressure, you know, they just want to go win a football game. They want to be told, how do I win this game? What do we have to do? We want to win this game. And so Scott and his staff, just, they've just got to stay the course, know what that means, Scott's got to take that on his shoulders and, and, and not not get too high, too low, and just can't absorb it. And, and uh, you know, you get tested like that every day in college athletics, and that's the beauty of it. It really it's the beauty. And guys are in it, you know, they, they want to be tested, and they want that kind of pressure. So, um, you, you know, it's, it's just part of it, and you know it going in there every week. Gary Barnett's with us, Hall of Fame coach, Hale Varsity Radio, Colorado, Northwestern. We're talking Nebraska and uh, the, the stage for this, uh, this chance to get some momentum for Coach Frost going into year four. I think he feels really good about his team, and uh, we'll see if that shows up on Saturday. So let, let's talk about going and winning the football game. 
for Nebraska first, and then I'll get your take on Brett and, and what he's got at Illinois. But if you're putting a game plan together or you, you know a little bit about Nebraska coach here, what, what are some advantages you think that, that the Big Red may have on Saturday? Well, the only thing they have is they know their coach. They know how he's going to react. They know how he's going to respond in that situation. They know their offense. They've been in it for four years. Um, all the advantages in that situation are with Nebraska because it's a new system. Uh, even though you got veteran players, the systems change, the coaching staff change, and, and so it, it's different there. Nebraska has the advantage going in, and that's why they're a seven-point favorite. Mm-hmm. But uh, you're, Nebraska's playing a really good, really solid, tough football team. I mean, they're not a team that everybody talk, anybody talked about a whole lot last year, but everybody worried about playing. And that's what they are now, and especially with new energy and a guy that's, um, that, that has been there and done that. In, in some big situations, so you know it, it's it's a great matchup. It's a great opening weekend matchup. I think I think the spread's exactly where it should be. I think it could be a little less. Uh, I think this could be less than a seven point game for Nebraska, but I think they should be a seven point uh, have a seven point advantage going into this game. Let's talk Adrian Martinez. I mean, it comes down to quarterbacks, and we know about turnovers, and we know about his legs. And he had a great, great ball game two years ago, over 400 yards total offense. Um, you know, what, what is asked of him, Coach Barnett, is he, yes, take care of the football, but do you ask him to go make plays or just let it come? Let it come. You know, don't, don't force the plays. Let it come. Do your stuff. You're a veteran. You uh, you can't absorb any of the pressure. You you know the cause of most of your mistakes. You know you worked on them. You got to be confident, and, and uh, you know he Scott's got to have so much confidence in that guy, and the entire coaching staff does that he feels it. He can't feel this pressure, and I don't think he will. Um, you know, I, I he's a really good player, and he's been around. And he's heard everything, and you know I expect him to really play well. Let's uh, talk a little bit here about uh, Tony Peterson. He's uh, App State's uh, former OC. He's now with Brett. Brett's got a lot of high-level guys on, on his staff. I know, is it Missouri's former D.C. that's uh, coaching for him as well? And, I mean, um, I guess, what do you expect offensively from Illinois? Do you expect a little tempo, maybe? You know, I'm not sure. It's funny you mentioned the uh, D.C. for uh, Illinois. He, he played for me, and, and actually his dad played for me, uh, Ryan Walters. And, in fact, I was there when his, when Ryan was born because his dad had him when he was a freshman at, at Colorado, so I know Ryan very well and what he likes to do. But, um, y- you know, Nebraska, uh, our, uh, Illinois is – you know they're they're going to be solid. Mm-hmm. They're going to be a team that won't beat themselves, and they're just going to say, Nebraska, if you want this game, you have to go win it. We're not going to give it to you. And that's that's Bielema's philosophy the whole time. I don't know whether you get tempo or not. Uh, I mean, probably coming from App State, you're going to see some of that. But understand, Brett Bielema is the head coach. He is an offensive lineman. He has coached. He had a picture of all five of his offensive linemen on the cover of a major magazine. 
at Arkansas. He is a hog. He worked. He grew up on a hog farm, mm-hmm. so he is a hog at heart. And that's where the game's going to get played. And they have three guys on that on that offense that have more starts than any other three guys on any team in college football. So that's where it's going to be won and lost, in my opinion. It's going to be in that offensive line for for Illinois. Coach, where do you stand on the the discussion between what makes a running game successful, the offensive line or the running back? I mean, Nebraska, for their own right, has a, has a very uh, or a pretty experienced offensive line that the coaching staff seems pretty high on, but not really sure who the running back is going to be. As for Illinois, three very experienced running backs, and even though there's a question mark or two along that offensive line, they, they also have a lot of experience. So, so where do you stand? Is is it the running back or is it the offensive line that makes the uh, the running game go? Well, I tell you, I got to tell you, I think it's it's the offensive line. Uh, you know, you take any Division One back and you put them behind a Division One or a legitimate big time Division One offensive line, you're going to make yards. You're going to be pretty good. So, it, it's the guy who plays behind the offensive line that isn't so good that that is maybe a difference maker. But I, I think in the, I would rather go in there and have five of those big hogs that can play because I can put I can put a lot of people behind them and make some yards. Coach, uh, a thought here before we get your prediction on this uh, this alliance between the Pac-12, the Big Ten, and the ACC. Did did anything? Did uh, yesterday do anything for you as far as uh, the future of college well, football? Yeah, it sort of con- yeah, it sort of confirmed to me what was going on. I think uh, I, I think, uh, and, and I know this didn't come out in any of the newspapers, but I think there's going to each one of those conferences going to play an eight game schedule. I think that they're going to play. Uh, two more non-conference games, Power 5 teams from each one of the other two leagues. Uh, So that's 10 games. And then they're going to have two other games they can play against whoever they want. And then uh, I think what's going to happen is there's just going to be a a familiarity that's created between uh, those those three leagues. And down the road, we're going to find out who brings value and who doesn't when it gets down to making major changes. So uh, I think it's a good thing. I, I don't, you know, if you play eight regular season, eight conference games, two non-conference games, one with the ACC, for example, and one with the Pac-12 if you're Nebraska, you can also now choose to play one SEC game you want. Choose to two, play two SEC games if you want. So, um you know, it, it's going to give every school a chance to decide just who they want to play and what they want to play and how good they want to be, how they, good they want to show up, and how much they want to invest in their program. So I, I think it's going to be a testing ground. I think uh, those three conferences are going to look over the course of a couple of years and see who's willing to invest and who's willing to take on the big guys and who can be successful. And then uh, when we trim it all down in a few years, We'll find out who those are, and and so I think it's I think it's a a logical move. Gary Barnett's with us, coach. Before we say goodbye, what happened Saturday, Nebraska, Illinois? Uh, Nebraska by I'm going to say five. First team to thirty. Pardon me. First team to thirty. Oh, first team to thirty. Yeah, maybe. I think that's a good one. Yeah, I like that. All right, there we go. So uh, Nebraska by five. So Illinois uh, covers the number. Nebraska wins outright. I think Nebraska fans would 
take that. We'll see how things go. And, Coach, I'll, I'll wave at you from Champaign, all right? Enjoy the heart of America there, Chris. I will try, my friend. <laughs> Coach, you take care. Thanks again. <laughs> yep. Bye-bye. There he is. Gary Barnett. Going to be back golfing tomorrow. And uh, good to get his take. That pressure, though, uh, I loved his perspective on that. Some good stuff. We'll dive in. Uh, speaking of that pressure, more national narrative on Coach Frost. We'll get there in a minute. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hale Varsity Radio. I got the body of a taut, preteen Swedish boy. Big thanks to Coach Gary Barnett with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Pressure, offense, Bielema, Frost, Adrian. And he says uh, Nebraska by about five and a half, six points. As that line uh, around six and a half tomorrow, uh, Danny Burke, pride of Chicago, will join us, get his take on things. Numbers to get in, 466-377-6800-825-5865. can find us also on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. And uh, some thoughts on Brett McMurphy. And let's let's get into this here. Uh, Pete Thamel with Yahoo, formerly of the New York Times. He's one of the more well-known, up for the National College Football Writer of the Year Award. And you had uh, a week ago, plus Dennis Dodd with CBS Sports throw out, uh, not even a week ago, kind of just a little bit after or around Big Ten Media Days. Uh, he had his hot seat ranking and then, he dove in on, on Coach Frost, you know, wondering what his future's like in Lincoln. And I just, I know that Nebraska needs to, to win. I know Nebraska fans are tired of losing. I know Nebraska fans are tired of seeing sloppy football. And I know Nebraska fans want to see this thing happen with their guy in Scott Frost. I mean, all those things are true, but I don't quite get it if I'm a if I'm a local Nebraska fan and I see a national guy who knows his college football and has great contacts say, I'm not sure that Scott Frost can survive this year. And I just disagree with that. Now there's a difference. Nebraska has a bad season. Trev Alberts is, is in charge. He's the sheriff now, and he is a real sheriff. He's got boots and everything. So I think there's where some comfort can be if you're a Nebraska football fan. And, oh, yeah, by the way, you got a whole season to play. You could win on Saturday and end up going into OU uh, undefeated. You could play well against Oklahoma. And by the time you get done uh, taking on P.J. Fleck, you could have a really good setup going. You could could you could you be bowl eligible by then with a, with a fierce close into November. A lot of things can happen. And I think this team's pretty good. Has the ability to be really good, but there's there's things that they gotta have break specifically uh, within their own control. But yeah, Yahoo Sports coming out here and Jim Harbaugh's uh, bullet number one with folks they're worried about. But Thamel goes down the list here, not very far, and of course it's Scott Frost, and I just don't don't agree with it. Now, if I'm Thamel, 
and I see Nebraska's record, I see year four, and I see Nebraska's history of being able to throw money at people to go away, Bill Moose, Bill Callahan, Mike Riley, Bo Pelini, Steve Peterson, and I'm a national college football player. Well, Nebraska's got money to just throw at Scott to go away. It's bigger than just the money. It's, it's also about one of your own. And I think he's wrong. Nebraska's not ready to part ways. Brett McMurphy, Dennis Dodd, guys we've, we've interviewed over, over the years here. Nebraska's not ready. And there's a lot to be said about a successful season. There's a lot to be said about a six and six season. Even if you if you don't hit 500, if you're not bowling, yeah, I think there'll be some situations and issues with who do you have a big enough staff? Is your staff big big boy enough to win in the in the conference? That's a fair question because you've brought everybody from Central Florida. Position groups need to start performing. Offensive line. Running back, specifically. If your offense is sputtering still, got to take a look. I don't like that because I think all those coaches are good dudes and I think they can coach, clearly. They went undefeated not long ago. But the Big Ten's a whole different animal. So that's the conversation we can have. And there is urgency. But when it comes to Nebraska ready to just scratch a check, I think he's dead wrong. I think they're all dead wrong. I don't think that is even a – you can talk about progress and direction of the program and needing to see some progress and direction of the program. But I think, I think a guy like Brom is, you know, way deeper. I think Harbaugh – I mean, his, his salary went from $8 million to $4 million. I think Harbaugh's in danger. I don't think Scott's in any danger. Scott needs to perform and do well. I don't think it's – been a piece of cake the last three weeks for him with the the news getting leaked with the NCAA investigation. I think he's got the right guy as AD to have his back. And I think he's got the right guy as, as AD to, to help him through everything and anything. I mean, I think the only concern for Scott Frost becomes if, if he can, if he fails to be selling seats at Memorial Stadium. I've seen that tickets are going for like $18 for the Fordham game right now if you're looking around the internet. And while that is cheap, they're still being sold. It's, it's I think the biggest concern is if the sellout streak becomes in jeopardy because of the results of the football team, that's where Scott Frost's job becomes in jeopardy. But until you reach that point, that the $20 million buyout, regardless if they can get out of it, is just, it, it's, it's so much. It is, but it, it could get covered. I don't think anyone wants to pull the trigger on it, nor should you, right? I mean, just, just let it breathe for the love of God, okay? Let it breathe um, and let, it, let them go to work. Let them do their thing this year. Now, if they don't take care of business, if they don't play well, they can play well and still lose Saturday. Maybe Illinois is just loaded with some lovey talent that he couldn't get to to beyond uh, a six-win season. Maybe Brett's got a nice little inheritance here. Say Illinois does well and surprises everybody from them finishing seventh in the division. That's one thing, right? You can lose Saturday, play well, and just get beat. But on paper, you're supposed to you're supposed to win by a touchdown, and you're supposed to win because you have better players. Players got to play, coaches got to coach. Now, from a Nebraska standpoint, you can win Saturday, maybe you look good doing it, and that old spark is back with the Red Army. And then 
a week from Saturday, getting ahead of ourselves, isn't a worry. People are going to snatch up seats and they're going to be excited. You know, COVID permitting. You lose, and that's when you worry about the sellout streak. Mm-hmm. Because that is, think about this, this, uh, this timeline of events where you go from, okay, media days, okay, 10 days before the season, Brett McMurphy's talking about your program, cue ominous music. <laughs> then you go lose at Illinois, and then your sellout streak's done. Isn't good math. It's a bad list of things. It just is. But that, that's what it would take, I think, personally. For, for this to be the end for Frost, I think it would take something of, of that magnitude. He, dude, With, with it, a $20 million buyout? No, it, it, it's... And let's be straight. Right, right now, this NCAA thing's not even level two. It's not level one. Mm-mm. It's not DEFCON two. It's not DEFCON one. It's, it's level three. And I, it sucks to even be like, why are we spending time on this? Well, another national guy threw a hand grenade with a hot seat list. I mean, people are lining up. Why? Nebraska's not really that relevant nationally except to talk about its constant drama and, and are they making changes. Nebraska did this to itself, and they've done this to itself over years well, and, and years, and, uh, administratively. And, and uh, Thamel said, uh, I believe he said in the article, that if, uh, if this season isn't going as planned, that Frost should be worried about having his job come Thanksgiving. And I really no. don't know. That, that's a guy who doesn't understand Trev Alberts then. Like, I don't think Trev Alberts is A, the type of guy to fire Frost in the middle of the season, and B, what do you accomplish by firing him in the middle of the season? It's just another national media head saying things because they think they know what's going on in Nebraska they when they don't. No, no there, there are scenarios where... Where that that conversation could could heat up, there could be air quote friends of the program that want it to heat up financially that would cover the number. But you're in position now. I mean, it, it just compounds between nine win coaches blown out. Um, it compounds where national championship uh, native son returning home only got four years. The fishbowl. Do you try and recoup some money, right? Would you get into a Tennessee situation or a a KU situation where you're you're trying not to pay the guy his full severance? And then you got to go sell all of that the last 25 years to come in, be the savior as you go further down the, uh, the, the threshold of hell here of being not a relevant football program to the next guy that's supposed to clean up now going on 20 plus years of of a mess because you've kept hitting reset on the Nintendo. Here's Brett McMurphy. What's he think about Frost and his future? Here's uh, Brett from a podcast today. Well, the investigation continues. There's been no resolution of it that, you know, with the NCAA, one thing I've learned is never to predict what you think the outcome will be or how long it will take. So this thing could be resolved. Tomorrow, it could be resolved at the end of the year. And then ultimately, we'll see what the penalties are. Look, I don't think the, the allegations are that serious. I don't think the penalties are going to be that severe. You may see Frost suspended a game or two, possibly, when they do finally finalize their findings. However, I think big picture, you look at it this way. Scott Frost was already on the hot seat entering this year. He's the first coach in 60 years with three consecutive losing seasons at Nebraska. 
In March, I reported, broke the news that Frost and Nebraska were trying to get out of the OU game, which is unheard of. It's the 50th anniversary of the 1971 game of the century. Number one, Nebraska, number two, OU. They tried to get out of that game to play a home game against a group of five team. Add to that, you've got a new athletic director in Trev Alberts. So now you've got the NCAA investigation. So now if Nebraska wants to make a move after the season, they don't even have to reference the losing. They don't even have to reference the Oklahoma debacle. They can, they can roll the NCAA allegations out there to be the easy way out. But Scott Frost went from being on the hot seat in college football to now I think he is on the hottest seat in college football. And it's funny to call a fir- <laughs> the first game of the year a must win. But that's a must-win game against Illinois. They cannot lose that game to Illinois. Cause they- okay. Listen, you've got three national riders that are just hell-bent on ruining this guy and turning the temperature up, putting the screws, whatever, to frost. And, and, and they're, they're clueless on it. They are absolutely clueless on it. They're pissed off at something, and, and, and Scott's the pinata. A jock duck's on the way. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Back into it, Hale Varsity Radio, a jock doc Wednesday, Lincoln Orthopedic Center. Dr. Brandon Seifert with us. Dr. Brandon, have you fired up your fantasy football draft yet? I have not got it ready yet. How about yourself, buddy? You guys all set? We are going into, I think, year 30 of our fantasy league. <laughs> Some of us uh, started early in junior high, and nice. uh, it'll be the uh, Sunday of, uh, of uh, Labor Day weekend. So that's kind of where we're at with things. And I can go ahead and cross off uh, Travis ATN, uh, Jacksonville first round draft pick stud back out of Clemson, the dreaded Liz Frank injury. Dr. Brandon, this isn't good for anybody, but it's not good for a running back, is it? Uh, especially not. I was really bummed to see that, uh, that injury pop up for him. He's such a tremendous player. Yeah, and so basically what it's looking like, they haven't said specifically that's what it is, but they're talking midfoot sprain, season ending, some surgery. I'm, my guess is that's what this would be. So the the fancy term for this is called a Liss Frank sprain. Uh, oddly enough, Liss Frank is actually Napoleon's surgeon from way back in the day. Uh, to me, right, yeah, kind of interesting because they used to do all those amputations at that level. <laughs> it's called wow. Liss Frank joint, yeah. Kind of interesting during the war. Uh, so basically what this is, you know, anatomically speaking, um, a Liss Frank uh, injury occurs basically in the, in the midfoot. So if you take your uh, hand, kind of go down from your great toe towards the midfoot, and as you kind of get to right at about midfoot, there's uh, two metatarsals there. The first one's kind of what your fingers are on, and the one next to it's called the second metatarsal. Those two metatarsals at the base are attached with a really thick ligament, uh, the strongest of which is kind of on the bottom side of the foot. And that's basically called the Lisfranc joint, Lisfranc ligament, uh, midfoot sprain. Those would be kind of some terms that describe that area. Very important area in your foot. Uh, really, it's kind of the, the capstone of, of the foot. It kind of supports the arch it's, uh, where the majority of the weight kind of transfers through the foot in that area. And so a very devastating injury to injure this area. Um, but, you know, what you have to remember is there's kind of varying levels of sprains that occur here. 
fortunately, the vast majority of kind of midfoot sprains that occur are kind of on a lower grade scale where kind of stretch the ligaments a little bit, but don't completely go, you know, tear all the way through them. You can treat those non-operatively, a couple of weeks of immobilization, and they're usually back, you know, within miss maybe a couple of games. As you kind of progress up that kind of sprain scale to the point now where you've kind of torn all the way through that, uh, the ligament complex that's there in particular, through that uh, one that's on the bottom called the plantar-sided uh, ligament structure. When you do that, now you're talking surgical intervention. Sometimes patients will even kind of fracture through or break through that area along the second metatarsal base. And so what happens is then you've basically created this really unstable region in the mid part of your foot, and it's really important that you can correct that anatomy to get it as close to normal anatomy as possible to kind of reestablish the you know, appropriate mechanics of that anatomic area. And so unfortunately, it sounds like for him, that's kind of the pathway he's headed down is, is the surgical pathway. Dr. Brandon Seifert's with us, Lincoln Orthopedic Center at Jock Talk Wednesday. Travis ATN, rookie for Jacksonville, our, our topic today, and the Liz Frank injury. So is this a mess to deal with when it comes to surgery? Yeah, it's, it's a tough area. You know, the other thing, too, is there, there's been a lot of kind of shifting what we call literature on this in terms of what, what the research say is the best thing to do for, you know, different you know, age groups of patients with this injury. Um, it used to be an injury where it was always fixed with, you know, basically screws, operative fixation to kind of put things back together with screws, trying to get the bones and the ligament structures to heal. Then from there, there was kind of a landmark study that came out that showed actually fusing that first joint is the better way to go, even in younger athletes. Um, and that was kind of the prevailing thought for a while. And then now some of the other data come out that maybe that's shifting a little bit. So there's kind of shifting sands, if you will, a little bit in that area. Um, so you're going to probably get some differing opinions across the country on what's going to be most appropriate just in terms of the surgical technique itself. Uh, but surgery is still kind of the, the gold standard, uh, just depending on what technique you use. So what type of recovery uh, time exists with this? And how about re-injury? Mm-hmm. Yep. And so your recovery time, unfortunately, with this injury, it's a, it's a long process. And so, you know, first of all, you, know, you do the surgery and then there's a period of non-weight bearing after the surgery that, you know, can last anywhere from, you know, four to six, even upwards of maybe eight to 12 weeks, depending on the extensive uh, injury that happened and the extent of maybe the fracture part of it, if that occurred. And then after that, you know, then you start kind of a slow progression of, you know, putting weight on it, kind of some easy stretching, you know, some range of motion exercises, and then you're probably back, after you start the weight-bearing process, you're probably back doing some jogging activities, maybe after six or eight weeks, maybe a little bit sooner, depending on how you feel, depending on what the x-rays look like in terms of the healing. Um, and when do you kind of get back fully cleared? It's probably somewhere between four to six months. Um, boy, when do you really feel like doing high-level athletics? It's probably more like six to nine months. Um, how are you that first season back? It's tough. Most athletes do not look great that first season back, especially those first couple of games. It's tight. It feels different. Your explosiveness feel is different. It's just as I've watched athletes recover from these things. Um, and this, unfortunately, can make you a different athlete. There are some that battle through it. They kind of just battle that first year. Then that second year, they have much better year back. And then there's some that just kind of takes them out, and they're never quite the same. Is it a trust thing? Is it an acceleration thing? And I look at ATN, uh, despite his size, he's got good power, but he's known as that guy that just gets to the edge and can run through and between the tackles as well. But his, uh, his specialty is that breakaway big play ability. 
uh, once fully healed, if fully healed, can he return to kind of game breaker form? Mm-hmm. I think there's a potential for that, you know, especially with you know his athleticism, his skill set. I think there's a potential for that. Um, you know, I think our, our techniques we're using nowadays, you know, have improved significantly. So I still think there's a, a great chance he'll get back. He'll do well. I think the rehab protocols have advanced as well. So I, I think there's a high chance he gets back. Uh, is he at the same level as he was before? Uh, that's tough. It's tough to, to put that number out there. But I think he'll get back. And I, I think he'll get close to a pretty high-level performer type situation. Dr. Brandon Seifert's with us, Lincoln Orthopedic Center at Jock Doc Wednesday. We're talking uh, Travis Etienne, stud out of Clemson, first-round pick for Jayville, and out with a Liz Frank injury. So is this a mileage thing, Dr. Brandon, or is this uh, one of them big old uglies stepped on his foot, or is it just a cut wrong and maybe a non-contact? What's, what's, more, what's the most common way to have this injury happen? Yeah, you know, these are usually kind of a first-time traumatic event. Uh, most of the time, that's what we see here. It's actually quite rare to see kind of people have chronic kind of foot, mid-foot sprains mm-hmm. after they kind of get over the first one. You know, if you're, if you're trying to nurse one of these along and it's kind of a lower-grade sprain and it's kind of like the ankle sprain, you keep kind of retweaking it during the season. Then once you kind of let this thing heal up, the next year you're, you're usually good and you just don't have any other issues with it. These big ones like this, yeah, it's usually more kind of that one traumatic event as opposed to kind of a chronic stretching out situation, which, which you kind of do with like a Tommy John injury in the elbow. Well, it'll be interesting to see uh, what the recovery's like. And, man, he's a special back. And he had uh, Trevor Lawrence and ATN teamed with Urban down in Jayville to to kind of kick off this, this inaugural season all together. Uh, we'll uh, have to wait. We'll have to wait on Travis ATN. Well, Dr. Brandon, uh, football's almost here. Can't wait for this weekend. And we're not far off from the NFL either. Uh, should be another fun season at Jock Docs with Lincoln Orthopedic. Thanks so much for the time today. You bet, Chris. You guys take care. All right, Dr. Brandon Seifert with his Lincoln Orthopedic Center at Jock Doc Wednesday. We'll wind down a Wednesday edition with Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time is uh, we'll pack the old truckster up and head to Champaign. Man, going to be good stuff. Uh, friends at Aero Capital. And, of course, Ferris Financial helping make this roadie happen. iHotel, Baby Hands, where we're going to be Friday for Hail Varsity 4 to 6. Going to be good stuff. Uh, and then uh, Saturday, Real Red Reaction post game, probably 4 to 5.30-ish. StreamYard will uh, get us hooked up, so we'll be Facebook Live in it. Take your questions, comments, thoughts, hopefully joyous reactions if Nebraska gets things handled on Saturday. We'll have predictions Friday. Be on the road. We're loaded tomorrow. Bill Bender, Sporting News. Brad Edwards, College Football Insider. Uh, Brandon Vogel with us. And uh, also, uh, we are going to be able to get connected with Matthew Stevens, former Sports Illustrated college football extraordinaire, now with the uh, the Illinois. The Illini guys. The Illini guys is his website. And I uh, told you Vogue's from Hale Varsity with this. Danny Burke 
Pride of Chicago will have best bets going. So loaded up is I'll be uh, I should be able to get to the hotel by probably well, by by game time <laughs> by four by four o'clock tomorrow. What's your plan uh, on the road tomorrow? How are you going to keep yourself entertained? Are you and uh, you and Rob going to be singing some sea shanties or something? No, me in the suit. I think we'll probably go mock. Yeah. I'm kidding. The old dumb and dumber scene. I have no earthly idea how we're going to stay entertained. How, how do your music ta- do they align well? Your music tastes? You get some someone going on well, the old uh, the mean, auxiliary cable. He's uh, he's. I mean, he knows all music. I mean, this guy is Mister Music. So, truthfully, I don't know. I might just say, "Here's the keys, brother. I'm going to crash <laughs> between shows." Yeah, oh yeah, we'll be uh, rocking KFOR, of course, uh, Friday morning from Champaign. So, a lot of shows, a lot of road travel, a lot of Husker fans have been checking in via email or uh, or or, uh, or uh, direct messaging in. Thank you for that. So, we want to see you in red uh, on uh, Friday and on Saturday, uh, for sure. Elijah, what's, uh, what's your story tonight? What do you got going? Salt Dogs baseball right here so on ESPN here. Lincoln. Good. Good for you. So I'm going to be uh, here tonight. Uh, Salt Dogs playing out in Chicago. Looks like they're uh, they might be making the playoffs this season. So that's uh, exciting news for the Salt Dogs, but obviously still a bit of the season left to play. Um, and then last night with my roommates, I started off uh, the Suicide Squad movie. Um, but I didn't get a chance to finish. I had to go uh, bowl in my bowling league last night, so that might be what's coming up uh, later tonight for me is uh, finish up the Suicide Squad movie. I, okay. I, I liked what I saw from about the first 45 minutes. It's uh, the bunny, my wife, it's her birthday today. She is 32, sort of. Uh, <laughs> Good answer. But she is the, the queen at, at making this birthday thing last a week took her out last Saturday, and it was fun. I love spending time with her and being able to go have dinner. So we did that. Went out with my mother and, and, and great grandma on Sunday, and then we're meeting a couple of friends that we are uh, close to for dinner tonight. So I've got <laughs> got dinner duty for a third tri three, and then you're giving her the gift of a weekend away this weekend. So pretty much. That's it. So I guess three uh, dinner dates for your birthday trumps a new purse. That's how I'm going to sell it. (laughs) Not my purse. All right. Talk to you in Champagne tomorrow. Late.